All right, so it's been a, a few months since we did a cutting room floor. These are essentially, if you haven't participated or listened before, it's essentially a space to talk about things maybe we can't get to on Sunday morning. It's maybe not in a class, but just creating a space where we could talk about things that are you know, on the cutting room floor. They don't make it into Sunday morning, sure. but we want to talk about it anyway. And uh, this sort of sub-series within the cutting room floor, we want to talk about a little bit as we're leading up to these elections. How do we even begin to have theological, biblical, informed discussions mm -hmm. about politics yeah. without it sort of ending up in brawls in the pews sure. over yeah. political opinions, yeah. uh, which seems to be what happens, right? Like sure. ends up leading to just fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be very divisive. Con constructive conversations. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's helpful just to frame it as far as like, why even take time to talk about this when it is a very loaded topic, very divisive topic in our culture. But I think getting at to the heart of what we want to see and embody at Wellspring is being a people that can disagree on certain things, but ultimately hold Jesus at this as the center for yeah. life and practice. So that's good. yeah, I think that's important just to keep like at the foreground and as we work through this material that yeah. we want to Jesus at the center, we might differ here and there on cer certain things, yeah. um, but that's what keeps the, keeps us together. Yeah. And maybe even just to say at the outset that like, if you have a strong political opinion, either Republican or Democrat, you probably will not be entirely like, feel like we are your cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. Like we're trying to figure out what does it look like to participate in Jesus's kingdom? Yeah not necessarily be the best Democrat or the best sure. Republican in 21st century America. Totally. For sure. For sure. Which gets at then kind of maybe to start kind of a summary statement or like a thesis statement for this kind of talk right okay. now. And it's simply this, that I would want to say that Christians and in particular, as we seek to be followers of Jesus in our modern moment should be political, but not partisan. Okay. And so it, when I hear partisan, I think like I'm literally like, drinking the Kool-Aid mm -hmm. of whatever political party I'm in. Uh, and maybe like with that, then I'm adamantly opposed yeah. and think the other side is just totally dumb and like maybe absolutely wrong and horrible and evil. For sure. Yeah. And so that's ex generally exactly what I mean when I say partisan, like okay. you're kind of one side only, yeah. you know, the other side's the enemy yeah. kind of just everything, either red or blue. There's no middle ground. Totally adversarial. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. And so that's, for the most part, and kind of speaking generalities here, it seems yeah. like that's kind of from yeah, the, whatever <laughs> side you might be on, that's kind of what's being pushed at you oftentimes yeah. through like the media in our cultural yeah. moment right now. At the same time, when I say we should be political, I'm not necessarily saying you got to like go, you know, picket something, go sign up for every kind of fundraiser right. for an election or get super involved like at the ground level. Maybe you can and, and that's yeah. how God leads you. That's not exactly what I'm saying here. What I'm saying as far as what it means to be political or that we should be political is kind of reclaiming what that term originally means. I think in our modern culture, political gets kind of equated with like being partisan. Yeah. But they kind of are merged together. They're merged together. And there's almost a reaction of like, if you are a follower of Jesus, depending on your social context, you might feel like you have to be partisan yeah. in order to participate in the church. Exactly, yeah. Or you might feel like, oh, we can't talk about that. That's political. We're religious. Exactly. They're different. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we have like this bifurcation between yeah. you know, things of the gospel and things of, quote, politics, yeah. 
which actually we want to kind of push on that a little bit and say, no, actually, when we understand the kingdom of God and the gospel and the Bible, it's very political. But now let me actually talk about what I mean by the word political or politics. And this gets back out to the the original word or where it comes from in the Greek is the word polis. Mm -hmm. And that's simply the word that's used in the Greek New Testament for city. So a people group that are gathered together and how they shape their way of life. Exactly. Right. And so when the the kind of the ancient Greeks talked about being political or the polis, It was simply their way of talking about how do we structure and organize our lives so that we might live lives that lead to flourishing for the good of myself and for the good of my neighbor. Okay. And so that was kind of the intent and the goal behind yeah. using that term. So when you're saying political, you're saying, hey, we should be a people who care about how life is structured mm-hmm. so that people flourish. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. And that, that hits on a variety of different kind of avenues and just different things that come about in our lives that might not like get labeled as religious, but have to do with what it means to live life, organize yeah. life yeah. in culture, in society with different people, groups and different backgrounds. Okay. And that's all kind of under this umbrella idea of living in a polis or okay. being political in yeah. this sense. Like human beings are going to organize themselves yes. in some way, some way, shape or form. Christians should have an opinion yes. about how that organization happens. Yes. Would, so then how do we get to that? So like you're reading the Bible. Yeah. What's like a way to think about that? Totally. And this gets at this kind of big phrase, this big idea called the kingdom of God. Okay. And kind of what I'm kind of wanting to look at here is understanding or helping us understand how the kingdom of God is is this vast topic. Okay. But it's also this idea where you can look at it through this kind of how I'm talking about politics here. The kingdom of God is a way of describing how God would want his people in the world to order and live and to live their lives in a way that leads to flourishing for themselves and for one another. Yeah. So if, if Jesus is king of the kingdom, mm-hmm. he is going to want to organize yes. his people and life on earth totally. in a certain way so that they honor him and flourish as a people. Like any king would, right? For like sure, totally. There's a basic king's have a reign, but they also rule among people, right? You don't have a kingdom without constituents exactly yes totally Uh, there's probably a better uh word for that constituent is very totally but yeah democratic exactly no what i get what you're getting at though because i think this gets at because sometimes when we think of kingdom of god it's this very like ethereal term like it's about like god's powerful he's sovereign which he is totally all those things but the kingdom of god is not simply just like the rule and the reign of god it is that not denying that at all but it's god's kingdom to have a king and a kingdom means that there's a place involved as well. There's physicality involved. There's location involved. There's people involved. And so that's why I think some, I think in particular New Testament scholarship is recognizing that the kingdom of God as it's described in the New Testament is not just like an abstract dominion of God over like an abstract sort of sphere or whatever. Or it's not just like the king, he's like king of my own individual heart. There's actually a real like, you know, whole society involved in this concept. Yeah. So he can be king of your heart. Totally. While at the same time, be king of a people group. Exactly. Right. I think some people will talk about like it's the kingdom of God is God's power over God's people in God's place. Like three P's mm. there. Um, if you throw a fourth P getting at with God's precepts or God's instructions, if you yeah. will. And so it kind of brings it like more to life when you kind of think about the kingdom, both in yes, this overarching sense of God's rule and dominion, but it's also over his people in his place. So how God wants his people mm-hmm. to behave, yes, to structure life, but also maybe even broadly, like God is the designer of all human life, mm-hmm. knows how humans flourish, yes, yes. so has an opinion not just about his people, but how all people should flourish. Exactly. Sort of the 
sort of the invitation of we're inviting people to live in such a way that we're participating in God's kingdom mm-hmm. according to his design yes, on earth. Exactly, right. And that's this is ex- essentially the main message that Jesus himself preached over and over and over again okay. throughout his earthly ministry. So when you open to the first page of the New Testament, whether it's Matthew or Mark, you get summary statements like this. I'll just use Mark 1, 14 to 15, where it's summarized that Jesus came, went around Galilee preaching this, preaching the gospel, that the time is fulfilled, and here's the important line, the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God has drawn near. And so Jesus' whole mindset or his whole kind of ministry was kind of centered around this idea of announcing this message that the rule and the reign of God over God's people in God's place is now here in him and in his ministry and what he was about living his life here on earth. And in a sense, what Jesus is saying is that if I could use kind of like maybe modern language, the politics of God has now arrived for you and I here as human beings following him on earth. And so to what I'm getting at here is that the, the message of the kingdom of God is not just like this. We often do the religious and political separate them, for an ancient hearer of this message in Mark chapter 1 or wherever you might read in the they New Testament, would have done that move. it would not have been bifurcated. It would have been seen as, oh, this is an announcement that does have, yes, devotion and allegiance and worship you know, implications, but also has political implications because by the very nature, this requires that I might reorient my life in a certain way. And that's exactly why in the next clause, repent, change your way of living, change the direction you're going, and believe and trust in this message of, of good news, that the kingdom of God, the politics of God, have arrived in and through the person of Jesus. What's tricky, I think, for a modern American listener to us at this moment is to like take off mm-hmm. all the assumptions of yeah. how we approach this that we've been kind of shaped in. Sure. You know, if you've lived in this country for any amount of time, mm-hmm. especially over the last, I don't know, seven years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. like you've seen mm-hmm. the like the bifurcating, but also then the partisan side. And so it's kind of hard to think, oh, okay, so I'm meant to be political, but being political means that I'm fully submitting myself to God's reign Mm -hmm. on earth and living as he would encourage me to. Exactly. And that I am not just doing that, but we as Mm -hmm. the church and God's people are meant to do that together Together. as a way to embody and really live to make the kingdom uh, in heaven sort of actual actualized on earth. Exactly. And that's exactly why Jesus taught his followers to pray in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Your kingdom come and will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. So that gets at the idea of place. Place yeah. actually matters when we're talking about this. Yeah. And again, I think you're totally right. It is hard to, as I'm saying this, I can hear maybe people in the background as they're listening going, and it's easy to kind of just import you're saying I have to be more Republican or you're saying yeah. be more Democrat or it's like, no, no, that's not ex- at all what I'm saying. We're talking about something completely different that is not kind of held hostage to kind of the polarized yeah. political moment that we're in, but something that far transcends any political moment that yeah. any culture has ever yeah. been in. Yeah. Maybe it would be helpful. Like, so Jesus gives all this ethical teaching. Mm-hmm. Of what does it look to participate? Yeah. And then you see as the early church develops, some interesting combinations of totally. values that like for the modern American, we're often like, that doesn't fit in my political grid. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you think about like Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount, we often just think of that as again, nice religious teaching or nice ethical teaching. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, that's coming right off the heels of that summary statement in Matthew's gospel of Jesus is preaching the kingdom. And then what does he go into in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is like the ethics or the politics of the kingdom, how to structure society is the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And so yeah, that'd be- How to structure individual life which is sort of meant to be lived out in a community exactly. of individuals totally. living out this ethic, 
which then becomes a polis. Exactly. And that becomes yeah. one way to look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, is a political manifesto of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so as those ethics are kind of internalized and kind of adopted by the early church, it's interesting to note how the practices of the early Christians, and remember, they're living in a very heated moment with the Roman Empire kind of, you know, just right yeah. over them, oppressing them. Yeah how they've lived and how they kind of ethically kind of shaped their lives and their relationships was radically different than anything that the Roman Empire was involved in. And in particular, there's one scholar I learned a lot from. His name's Larry Hurtado, who's wrote a number of different books. But in particular, his focus is on kind of the early kind of centuries of Christianity, the mm-hmm. early church into like the first and second centuries. Okay. And he asked a lot of questions about, okay, so what were the practices or the habits that kind of shaped the social structures of the early church. And he kind of through his research notices kind of five key kind of distinctives that yeah. shaped the kind of the politics or the ethics of the early church. I'm just going to list them briefly and then make, make some observations. Yeah. We can talk about them. The first one he says is that the early church was racially and socially diverse. That yeah. was like a trademark for the early church. Yeah. You see that in Acts. You see it in you the New Testament. That, like, totally. Jesus behavior radically inclusive. Oh, totally. For sure. Number two, the early church prioritized the caring for the poor and the marginalized. Okay. Again, we see that through the New Testament. You see that through the early church yeah. documents in the first through third centuries. One Caesar said something like, you know, something oh, yeah. about the Christians are caring for our poor. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like almost like this lament, like, yeah, come yeah. on, guys, we got to do better than, yeah. than, than, yeah. than these, like, quote, Christians and saying yeah. that like in a drug. Oh, totally. Yeah. Third, the early church practiced loving one's enemies. Hmm. I mean, we... It's just kind of get used to that because Jesus said that yeah. over and over again. But that was a radically yeah. like where in the world we don't do things things like yeah. that. Number four, the early church defended life from the womb to death. Hmm. So they were advocates for caring for the unborn, caring yeah. for infants, caring for those that especially would have been seen as okay. Those are disposable. We yeah. can just kind of let them kind yeah. of suffer and die on the streets. Yeah. So cared for human life from beginning to all the all way, the way to the end. end. Yeah. And then number five, the early church held that marriage and sex were reserved for one man and one woman. Hmm. And you see that kind of sexual ethic played out in the New Testament. Yeah. And you see that kind of transition all the way over into the early church yeah. as well. So if I can summarize quick. So it's something like radically inclusive along probably gender, race, socioeconomics, mm-hmm. uh, really trying to care for those who are marginalized or poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, this, this radical love of enemy. Yeah. Uh, four was caring for people from the beginning of life mm-hmm. to the very to end. The very end. Uh, and then sort of this very defined sense of what is appropriate as a sexual ethic. Exactly. Totally. Um, so you have those five things. Those five things. And, and her- those five distinctives. Sort of, uh, I don't know. What do, what do you yeah, and they, they kind of, for Hurtado and his research... And, kind of encapsulates kind of the political ethic or the social ethic for the early church. And he makes kind of this observation, and Tim Keller's kind of popularized this for for kind of the rest of us as well. He makes the observation that the first two, racially and socially diverse and caring for the poor and marginalized, in kind of today's framework, generally is seen as more left-leaning or more democratic-leaning as far as values go. Sure. He makes the point then that the third one, which in this kind of sequence was loving one's enemies, is not something that really anyone really is good at or like yeah. likes to do. Yeah, in our partisan political culture, enemy love is not exactly like yeah. define either party. Exactly, on, on both sides, yeah, for sure. Totally. And then number four and five, again, in this sequence, defending life from very beginning to the very end, and then kind of that traditional sex ethic, marriage is one man, one woman, those are seen as values that are more on the right as far as our political yeah. in the United States yeah. uh, is concerned. But her title makes the point that all five of these would have been something that the early church from the New Testament in the first few centuries would have fully adopted. Yeah. And that his point there is 
unlike perhaps today's culture where it's maybe we might pick one or two or three of these and kind of land on maybe yeah. one side of the spectrum or the other, all five of these values kind of encapsulate what it means, at least in Hurtado's mind, and I would, I'm kind of in agreement with him, and what it means to be a political Christian in the best sense of that yeah. term that does not cater to the political norms or the kind of the stereotypes or the partisanship of the day, yeah. but transcends that kind of right and left, red and blue, yeah. and does something beyond, I think, what yeah. our culture is offering. So this sort of gets back to how you started mm. of the partisan versus political. Yeah. Like if we're going to take, let's say, Hurtado is right, these five distinctives mm -hmm. that you can really map through oh, the New totally. Testament. Yeah. I mean, these are not hard to map. Yeah. Um, it would actually make it hard to be partisan. Yeah. Because on some level, you would be ignoring yes. an ethic of the church, of the kingdom for of God. For sure, for sure. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't vote one way or the other. Totally. But it, it sort of does mean that like neither party is going, mm -hmm. to, especially in our American Western context right now, yeah. neither party is really capturing Yeah all the full ethos the, the full yeah. ethic of the yeah. kingdom of god for sure yeah right if god is going to structure a people mm -hmm. form a polis call them to something yeah that no human political party likely throughout all of history mm -hmm. has ever fully nailed it. yeah totally yeah and i think exactly that's what her the point her title is making again i'm in agreement um, more or less with his his work on yeah. this uh, tim keller i think this was probably in 2018 if i remember correctly wrote a new york times piece entitled you can google it do christians fit in the modern two-party system hmm. and keller was taking a lot of Hurtado's work and kind of uh, giving implications for the 2018 moment yeah. and kind of in, in that midterm cycle there and i think a lot of what he said there in that article really resonated and i think maybe if someone's interested they can go mm -hmm. kind of read more in that but kind of in maybe we can put it in the notes yeah oh totally for sure yeah i think kind of in summary what we're looking at here is trying to make the case that in the best sense of the term, if we can def get our definitions right, we're advocating for being political in the best sense. How do we structure, organize society in a way that leads to flourishing under God's rule and reign yeah. in the kingdom of God? In a particular place. In a particular place, right? So that's here right now, 21st yeah. century, Monterey Peninsula for yeah. us, for those of us yeah. part and, of Wellspring. And because we live in a democratic society, part of that participation is voting. Exactly, yeah. And so there is this sense of like, we do have a say mm -hmm. in the structure. Yeah. And then the question is, and we won't get into this in detail here, but like, then I think this is where we get to a place of humble discernment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of God, what is my participation look exactly. like? Exactly. Yeah. In this moment, what are you calling me to? Mm -hmm. um, which feels like a right honoring yeah. of God's voice in totally. the shaping of a polis For or sure. a nation or For a state sure. or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's important because we're not saying because, you know, the Republicans or the Democrats maybe don't fully capture Everything. the way of Jesus, then yeah. we shouldn't have nothing to do with like ever voting or yeah. not participating. We're not saying that at all. Yeah. It's just recognizing, like that phrase that you mentioned, kind of humble discernment yeah. with this recognition that it doesn't fully capture, these parties don't fully capture the ethic yeah. of the kingdom, but that I'm still called and have the ability and the, and the privilege to yeah. participate in some way, shape or form and that will and probably does look different for, for most people. Yeah, and maybe on the ground, you know, as we unpack this a little more, maybe just on the ground for us. I think there's an invitation towards actual humble discernment, but also like graciousness mm -hmm. in community. Sure. That like for sure. what we're really trying to do at Wellspring and every church on the peninsula mm -hmm. and in the world is embody the kingdom of God yeah. as a people to order our lives and our cities and our states so that they reflect more and more who Jesus is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Amen. Cool. Thanks, man.